Volume Two, Chapter Four of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Four A Wife, a Silly, Harmless Household Dove, Fond Without Art, and Kind Without Deceit. Dryden. Marian was not only as well as could be expected but happier than could have been expected when leaning on her husband's arm she stole down the great pompous galleried staircase of holywell through the conservatory and into the bright and beautiful flower-garden four weeks seclusion tended wonderfully to enhance the delights of sunshine fresh air and liberty when last she wandered through that garden it had been mourning over arthur's absence pining for the sound of his voice and now now he was by her side and she was the mother of his child after all this is a perfect eden faltered the young wife too truly said replied arthur laughing for here comes the evil one to verify the comparison and at that moment a turn of the shrubbery brought them in view of mr wemmersley followed by a shabby genteel man apparently much in awe of his own sunday coat how very tiresome how impossible it seems to have a moment's perfect enjoyment cried marian almost out of humour at such an interruption at such a moment enchanted to see you out again my dear madam armytage how are you said wemmersley meeting them and evidently as much disconcerted as themselves while the shabby genteel individual stood uncovered and abashed i'm afraid i'm here as an intruder but concluding all the family were down yonder at the cross i took the liberty of bringing my head gardener he had but one to look at the new flues of the holywell pinery you are sadly out of your road then replied arthur coolly you have passed the turning leading to the gardens by half a mile i thought it would be a good opportunity to avoid being in any one's way continued wemmersley disregarding him and fancying he had completely disguised his real purpose of spying out all the holywell improvements and learning from his gardener of what plants it was best worth while to ask for cuttings and suckers i thought i heard my mother offer you the plan of the new flues observed arthur perceiving that wemmersley having dismissed his follower to the kitchen garden was preparing to bear them company did she i scarcely remember but you said you thought the system very inferior to that pursued at mill hill did i i must have been an ass the duchess of spalding frankly told me she considered the pine she tasted at luncheon at holywell very superior to ours she must have said it to annoy you observed marian quietly for the spaldings arrived here soon after breakfast and no luncheon was even proposed then it must have been lady rotherham lady rotherham has not tasted fruit these thirty years she would as soon swallow a dose of nux vomica as a slice of pine retorted arthur well no matter who it was some one desirous to put me out of conceit with my gardener or my stock or my pinery assured me those of mrs armytage were the best in the county and as it is never too late to mend here i am to take my lesson but why are you not presiding over your plum puddings and rounds of beef my dear armytage my bailiff tells me your preparations have raised the price of coals in the neighbourhood lucky then that we happen to be in the dog days said arthur dryly 
i suppose you have sent your little son ah, i beg your pardon i mean your little girl to do the honours in your place no my little girl is safe at home in her nursery i did not suppose the din of tables and fifes was likely to be more agreeable to her poor child than i found it myself oh you have been there then well i have lost my wager your wager i staked a sovereign with gumption last night that you would not show i am glad you thought my proceedings worthy the hazard of your money but why you should imagine me disinclined to show myself to my mother's tenants i cannot imagine simply because they are your mother's tenants and we all know that mrs armitage rules and chooses to rule supreme at holywell prince harry must not assume the crown before his time and pray when are we to have our election ball at thoroton my wife's new dress has been waiting these two months as soon as my wife feels well enough to preside over so noisy an assembly said arthur your wife oh ay very true wife to the member it must be mrs arthur ay ay that accounts for the delay but you had better have got through the ceremony during mrs arthur armitage's illness and that would have obviated all difficulties what difficulties what do you mean only that as mrs armitage came forward so liberally on the election and sacrificed her nephew and her objections we concluded you would pay her the compliment of making her lady paramount at your ball which as we all know is a post she is never averse to occupy i feel so much fatigued that i must beg mr wemmersley to excuse us and allow me to return to the house interrupted marian perceiving from certain involuntary twitches of her husband's arm that he was becoming greatly irritated and wemmersley had accordingly no alternative but to raise his hat and beg he might be no restraint upon their movements and in this miserable light does her arbitrary temper expose me to be regarded by all the country cried arthur as they returned to the house too much excited by wemmersley's taunts to be aware that he was thinking aloud at my age a man a representative of the interest of thousands a husband a father to be kept in such vile subservience it is too much and marian was again and again obliged to complain of fatigue of uneasiness of indisposition in hopes to distract his attention and induce him to moderate his voice arrived in the hall he insisted on carrying her upstairs and having carefully laid her on the sofa in her own room proposed leaving her in quiet as a pretext for retiring to his for the pleasure of nursing his wrath to keep it warm but the venetian blinds of his dressing-room were down and its atmosphere refreshing the great armchair too looked inviting after his feverish morning's ride and arthur's first movement was to exchange his coat for a cool dressing-gown in order to enjoy the dolce far niente till dinner-time but as he threw it aside a rustling in the pocket reminded him of the papers from which his recent ebullition of temper had withdrawn his attention and having secured the door and turned the blinds so as to admit sufficient daylight for his purpose he was soon deep in the perusal of the old mildewed pages the two first that fell into his hands were disappointing enough and almost determined him to throw aside the rest mere draughts of leases written in the cramped hieroglyphics of an attorney's clerk 
the third was a recipe in a formal italian hand which he instantly recognised to be that of his grandfather maudsley for curing the distemper and fumigating a kennel he was sure it was his grandfather's the writing of a very peculiar character being similar to that in which certain prayers and supplications were inscribed in the first leaf of every prayer-book in the family pew an ancient collection of rituals some of which invoked the blessings of providence on her most gracious majesty queen anne arthur no longer doubted that the papers had been mr maudsley's left accidentally undiscovered in the old escritoire and of no further consequence he was about to lay aside the remainder when the page which had first attracted his notice as containing the names of his father and mother again claimed his attention and as he read on and on his eyes became riveted to the paper yet he was almost inclined to distrust their evidence to doubt whether he were alive and in his right senses his breath grew short even to gasping the dew rose upon his forehead and he laid down the roll this is too absurd cried he aloud recovering himself after the lapse of a minute to be thus moved by a thing that will turn out of no sort of importance but a second glance convinced him that the codicil to old maudsley's will which he had been perusing although styled a copy was formally signed with his name and witnessed by three witnesses the names of two were strange to him the third was that of old hardywood and what intention after all did that codicil record what was the deed which had so moved the feelings of arthur armitage neither more nor less than an instrument conveying to himself at the age of twenty-one the entire possession and enjoyment of the holywell estate the codicil executed shortly after the marriage of his parents conferred on their eldest son the privileges of sole heirship in the event of his daughter's husband dying during the minority of the boy it was evident that the excellent qualities of the elder arthur had wrought a change in the old man's views he seemed to have felt that the future representation of the family needed not to be indispensably vested in the person of a female arthur then arthur solely and wholly was now master of holywell as the fact became clearly manifest in his mind his first movement was to rise from his chair with a burst of exultation his next was to reseat himself with a poignant pang of self-reproach his mother what was to become of his mother who had been all in all to holywell and to whom holywell was all in all whose name whose very nature seemed to be that of mrs armytage of holywell park such a reverse would certainly prove the death of his mother his upright conscientious mother who faithful to her early widowhood had refused more than one noble suitor for the sake of her children his mother who had done her duty in her generation whose career of life was three parts ended whose latter days must be but no the thing was not to be hazarded the existence of the codicil was unknown to all but him he would destroy it at once and forego the temptation already the paper crackled in his hand and had there been a fire in the room it is probable 
that his generous purpose would have been instantly fulfilled but that momentary pause brought reflection had he a right thus to dispose of the codicil it conveyed to himself only a vested right and in the form of entail established a similar claim for any son of his own nay more it set apart a sum of twenty five thousand pounds for the younger children of old maudsley's daughter and to this sophia was evidently entitled the dowry too of mrs armytage was settled at two thousand per annum no he could have no pretext for cancelling a legal document of so comprehensive a nature that mrs armytage was cognizant of the existence of such a deed never for a moment entered his mind it was evident indeed that any person interested to conceal would at once have destroyed the paper not left it in a place of such uncertain security arthur remembered to have heard that his grandfather's decease had been a very sudden event the result of port wine and apoplexy and he also remembered that lord rotherham had mentioned to him the general surprise of the country on the old man's testamentary dispositions becoming known so attached was he to his son-in-law that his nearest friends were persuaded some ulterior bequest must have been made and at the request of mrs armytage a diligent search had been instituted for a will of later date than the one deposited in the deed-chest at his solicitor's all therefore was now clear mr maudsley had himself prepared a copy to be formally executed and sudden death had interfered with his worldly projects the codicil deposited in a secret drawer of a piece of furniture which arthur recollected to have formerly stood in the room known by the name of his grandfather's but which was not likely to have attracted notice during the search as a place of security had remained untouched save by the damps of time till the officious business of an old nurse accidentally dislodged it from its hiding-place and now a new difficulty presented itself if moved by feelings of deference towards his parent arthur resolved to suppress the execution of the deed during the lifetime of mrs armytage unless subsequent events rendered such concealment impossible how could he demand of his wife a similar resignation of her rights but why communicate the discovery to marian why disturb her peace of mind by tantalizing visions of grandeur alas might she not be already aware of the existence of the deed it was in her hands arthur had first found the paper had she not perused it did she not already know all <laughs> impossible so young so girlish so feeble-minded how would she have been able to suppress even for a moment the expression of her joy and triumph and had she not been walking with him talking with him smiling with him just as usual for the last three hours had she not been prattling of scarborough and aunt robsey of the roses and the lilies the thrushes and the blackbirds were not her thoughts simple trivial and unaspiring as ever it was clear that she had read the leases and the recipe for cleansing dog-kennels but that the codicil had wholly escaped her and in this manner do most men pass judgment on their wives End of chapter four